Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast, where we are dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. This is your host, Keith aka the radio show nerd and i want to give a shout out to the love podcast and uh hope i pronounce this correctly canary pi podcast they gave me a very very nice uh shout out on twitter the other week and i just wanted to say thank you along with everyone who has shared my facebook page or has shared my podcast with others thank you all so much So, today's episode I have entitled Obsession, and the two stories featured tonight deal with an obsessive love, if you will. So, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. Again, tonight, the two radio programs featured are The Creaking Door and a favorite of mine, but I say that about all of them. Quiet, please. The first being The Creaking Door. Now, this was a short-lived South African radio series that ran from 1964 to 1965. It was basically dubbed as the South African version of the popular radio series Inner Sanctum. It was sponsored by State Express Three, the three fives, which was a British American tobacco product. It was produced by the South African Broadcasting Corporation and Springbrook, Springbrook Radio, and it was hosted by Peter Bloomfield. The story tonight is called The Dummy, and it is an eerie one. And this was first broadcasted on May 18th, 1964. So, we all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to The Dummy. of the finest of its kind, we bring you the tops in Spine Chillers. The Creaking Door. The manufacturers of State Express 3-5's Filter King Cigarettes Take pleasure in presenting 
creaking door. Good evening, friends of the creaking door. The creaking door is open. So do come in. Be careful of my friend over there. He thinks he's a ventriloquist dummy. But he isn't. Or at least I don't think he is. Perhaps we'd better find out before the curtain goes up. <laughs> taste of new smooth State Express 3.5s today. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. It's a blend that has been perfected after years of constant research by our master blenders. And the recent development of an entirely new process which gives you an even smoother 3.5 smoke. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. Move in world class. Get the taste of new smooth State Express 3.5s today. Turpin's a fabulous ventriloquist. Oh, just listen to that applause. Yes. But he's not the best we ever had, not by a long way. Yes, I've been manager here for over 20 years, you know. I've seen him come and go. <laughs> but the best ventriloquist, the greatest act I ever saw in my life, that was Bertini. He was an Italian, spoke broken English. But oh, what an act. Find the way I first met him. He came into my office on, uh, I think, uh, yes, it was Wednesday morning. Came bursting in here, he did, with the dummy on his arm. First I thought he was joking. Then I realized he was deadly serious. This man here. I refuse to share a dressing with him any longer. I insist that you arrange. We have two dressing rooms. Who? Who are you talking about? What man? This man here on my arm. He's no good. Can't even walk for himself. I've got to carry him everywhere. This is the one I can't stand any more than nonsense. Now, what are you talking about? Here, you don't mean that dummy, do you? Of course I mean the dummy. That's what he is. A dummy. Gino here, my partner in the act. I can't stand it any longer. The arguments. Every night he come into the dressing room, he fights with me. He argues with me. 
I want a separate dressing room. I refuse to dress in the same room as these little peep squeaks. Now listen, listen, now listen, Bertini. <laughs> you expect me to believe now, listen, that's just a dummy. He can't argue with you. He can't speak unless you speak for him. I think perhaps you're um, hitting the bottle a bit too hard, eh? Isn't that it? Oh, I've got, no, no, I've got no complaints. I mean, far from it. Your act's certainly bringing him in, but, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, that's just a dummy. He's made of wood and papier-mâché. Now, look, uh, but see, you just take things easy, eh? So, you think I'm drunk? You think I'm mad? I tell you, this swine here, this dummy, you say, he makes my life a misery. Are you going to give me the other dressing room? Oh, of course you can have another dressing room. You can have ten if you want. Thank you, thank you. Now then, you know good Gino. Are you satisfied? So you won't answer. You also want the manager to think that I'm too much with the drink. You little troublemaker. One day, one day I'll kill you. I tell you that for sure. Dummy, you no dummy. One day, I kill you. Well, I ask you, have you ever heard anything like that? You see, well, as you no doubt know, but just in case you don't, a ventriloquist has his dummy, usually with a carved wooden face and hinged jaw. The ventriloquist himself operates his jaw and the turning of the dummy's head and so on by controls in the back of the dummy. And as for the voice, well, it's a ventriloquist himself, of course. He pitches his own voice a little higher. He speaks without moving his mouth or throat and he throws his voice. He, he projects it so that it sounds as if it's coming from somewhere else and not from him. But it's him all the time. And that's what made me think that Bettini was hitting the bottle too hard. I mean, when it comes to imagining things like that, well, I ask you. Anyway, I, uh, I gave him another dressing room for the doll, and the next day he was very much happier. Or he seemed to be much happier. Ah, good morning, senior manager, Benvenuta. How are you this morning? Me? Oh, I'm fine, Bertini. And you? Well, you look a lot happier today. And me? But of course I'm happy. Now at least I can get away from that doll. <laughs> uh, you think I'm mad, eh? But I tell you, I'm not mad. Maybe one day I will be with that doll. He drives me crazy. Yeah? Well... But now everything's fine. Now, I put him in the dressing room and he stays there till the show. That's fine. Now I'm happy. But his happiness didn't last for long. That night after the show, I went backstage to see if everything was all right. And I heard voices coming from Bertini's dressing room. Not the one where he kept his dummy, the second one I'd given him, but his own dressing room. Yes. Voices. Loud and angry voices. At first I thought he was fighting with one of the stagehands. Then I realized he was talking to himself. Pretending to talk with the dummy, Gino, you understand? But really talking to himself. So I stood outside the open dressing room door and, <laughs> and I listened. Well, 
I've never heard anything like that in, ooh, well, for the whole of my life. Yeah. Who asked you to come here, hey? Who asked you? If you don't like me here, why don't you throw me out, eh? Don't, don't provoke me, you little monster. I will do that one of these days. <laughs> Talk is cheap. You stick me in another dress room and you leave me there all day, all night. You take me back in this dressing room with you. Otherwise, the show does not go on next time. You understand? Oh, shut up, you twisted little monster. You make me sick. You think you can blackmail me like that? I'm not frightened of you. You hear that? I'm not frightened of you. <laughs> you better take care, my friend, Deptini. If anyone were to pass and hear this conversation, they would think you were crazy. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. That's enough, Romeo. I'm telling you for the last time, Gino. If you don't shut up, I... I'll... I'll kill you. Till then, I've been sort of humoring Bertini. That night, I watched the act. Well, there was no doubt about it. He was very good. More than that, he was great. Then halfway through the act, I got a surprise. A girl walks on. Yeah, that's right. A girl. Well, I knew nothing about that girl. And, of course, as theatre manager, I was supposed to. But she comes trotting on and she starts in taking part in the act. Well, she was nothing to look at, this girl, I can tell you. But then I saw just how brilliant Bertini was. He starts making the dummy Gino flirt with the girl, you know, winking, peering at her over Bertini's shoulder, the whole works. And the while Bertini's pretending to get more and more mad, or at least I thought he was pretending. Anyway, that night, the act went bigger than ever. And after the show, I sent for Bertini to come and see me in my office. So he comes along with the dummy on his arm, I could see at a glance that something was very wrong. You want to see me? Yes, yes. Sit down, Bertini. Thank you. Now then, uh, I caught your act tonight. Oh, so that's it. <laughs> you saw the girl, I suppose. Yes, that's right. I saw the girl. Now, listen, I'm not complaining. Well, uh, I am. I beg your pardon? Me, I'm a complaining. If that girl goes on tomorrow night, then I don't. Now, wait a minute. You think that I would change the act without telling you about it? You mean... You mean you didn't know? But how on earth... Eve, this little evil one, Gino, he did it. Gino? Now, hang on. Go on, go on, tell him. Tell him, you little follower of the black one. Tell him. I see. You see how clever this one is, Mr. Manager. When you are here, he refused to talk. He wants you to think I'm mad. Because that is what he's trying to do. He's trying to drive me out of my mind. Well, I will tell you. I will tell you what happened. This hunchbacked, watery legged swine. He come to my dressing room last night. Now, look, now, wait a minute. Now, how could he come to your dressing room? He can't walk. He come to 
my dressing room. To my dressing room. He walks inside. It's not the first time he's done such a thing. Then he tells me that tonight, in the show tonight, this woman must appear. I refuse. I tell him it's impossible. Never. I work only with a doll. No assistants and no women. And she goes on, Betty. She goes on. Otherwise, I don't. What you mean, you don't? What you talk? Of course you go on. That at least I can make sure of. I carry you on myself, so I know that you will go on. Yes, you carry me. But you wouldn't like it if I walked off, would you? Walked off in front of all these people. You wouldn't like that. And I will do it. Agnes Paria comes on stage in the act tonight. You're bluffing. You wouldn't dare. Yes, I would. I will do it. I will get off your knee and walk on these horrible little legs made of old clothes stuffed with newspaper. I will walk off. So you see, Bertie, my friend, you'd better do as I say. Uh, now, uh, now, wait a minute. Now, hang on, Bertie. Are you trying to tell me that doll, that dummy could have walked off the stage. <laughs> yes, I know. You think I'm going crazy, but I tell you, it happened before. It happened in Milano before. He threatened to walk off. And he did. That's why I never work in Italy anymore these days. Now, look here, Bertie. Look, you're a nice guy, and I hate to see you getting into this state. Now, what you're saying is quite impossible, you know. You don't believe me. You say I'm lying. No, no. No, not at all. I believe that you think you're telling the truth. But what you've been saying is quite impossible. I mean, look at that dummy. Look at it. I mean, it isn't alive. It can't talk to you unless you do the talking. And it can't walk. What you say is impossible. Of course. That is what I should have known you would say. You think I work too hard. I maybe drink too hard. And I imagine things. This is all your fault. You twist it from man. Why you not speak to the manager? Why you not tell him I speak the truth, eh? taste of new smooth State Express 3.5s today. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. It's a blend that has been perfected after years of constant research by our master blenders. And the recent development of an entirely new process which gives you an even smoother 3.5 smoke. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. Move in world class. Get the taste of new, smooth, State Express 3.5s today. Speaking to you like that. 
No wonder poor old Bertie thinks he's losing his marbles. Perhaps he's right. After all, we know that it's impossible for a ventriloquist dummy to speak on its own, don't we? <laughs> tell you that for a moment that when that dummy spoke, I thought that in some horrible, incredible way Bertie was telling the truth, because I swear that although by this time Bertie was on his feet, the dummy was still sprawled in the chair where Bertini had put him. They were a couple of yards apart. Bertie never touched him, that I'm sure of. But when the dummy spoke, I swear by everything that's holy that I saw the dummy's jaw move. <laughs> Bertie picked up the dummy and he stormed out of the office. But not before I noticed that there were tears in his eyes. Yes, tears. And not the Latin tears of rage that one might have expected. He was crying. The silent sort of lost tears of complete hopelessness. Oh, I felt bad, I can tell you. I didn't know what to think. It was impossible that somehow Gino, the dummy, could have a mind of its own. It was, it was impossible that the dummy could walk and talk. It was impossible. But it seemed to be true. So the next night I watched the act again. And again, the girl was in it. And again, it went like a bomb. I went round backstage after the show and I knocked on Bertie's dressing room. I knocked. And Gino answered. Come in. Ah. Come in, Mr. Manager. Now, listen, Bertie. Here. What's this? Who goes on? Close the door. Bertie won't be long. Yeah, where... Where's Bertie? <laughs> Bertie! Bertie, where are you? Uh, it's you, Mr. Manager. I won't be long. I'm washing my hands. Wait a moment, please. Yes. There is uh, something I can do for you, maybe. Now, but Tilly, you were in there? Oh, oh, I see. I thought I was going around the bend. He spoke to you. Gino spoke to you. <laughs> now, perhaps you'll believe me. <laughs> Now, look, Bertie, look, don't try and get me believing the impossible. Any good ventriloquist like yourself could throw his voice from the washroom to in here. Look, that doesn't mean a thing. But, but don't you see? What? Uh, he's so cunning, this one. You'll see what he does. <laughs> You'll see. He talks to you when he knows that you would think... It is me doing the talking. You, you little... I will kill you. Take that. Now I just like I hate you again, you monster. Doc, will you stop that? You're making me think I'm going mad. It was brilliant ventriloquist work, Ali. He was hitting the dummy and making the cry of pain himself. 
course. But it made me feel sick somehow. It, at least, that's what I thought was happening at the time. But today, I don't know anymore. The show that night was the last one that Bettini ever did. And it was nothing short of brilliant. I watched from the wings, and once or twice I could have sworn that Bertie and Gino spoke at the same time. Impossible, of course. But once or twice... Anyway, they had a real set to on the stage over this girl. Oh, it brought the house down. Once again, after the show, I went round to his dressing room. This time, the door was open. And before I went inside, I stood for a while listening. In a way, I wish I hadn't. But I stood there and listened. You heard what I said. I quit. I'm a finish to the act. I'm through. That's all right with me. Monster, go. See if you can get somebody else to put up with your nonsense like I do. You don't think I'll have any difficulty getting another job, do you? It's you that's going to have trouble. Then Twilchrist must do a penny. Where are you going to find another dummy like me? A dummy that does all the work for you. You going to be sorry, Bertie. I can't go on like this. You're driving me mad. That's what you're doing. You're driving me mad. Why can't you be like the other dolls? Why can't you? I can't help the way I am. None of us can help that. Well, enough is enough. There's only one boss here. That boss is me. <laughs> you heard me. I am the boss. Either you do as I say, or the act is finished. I don't care, Gino. I'm warning you, I don't care. I have made enough money. I'll retire. And what will you do with me? You. I'll lock you up inside your suitcase. I'll leave you in the cloakroom at the station. That's what I'll do. You, you wouldn't dare. Oh, yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> You're frightened now, aren't you? That's good. For too many years, I've been the one who has been frightened. Now it's your turn. <laughs> you are frightened. So, you would... Stop me in this suitcase and put me in the station. Well, listen to me, Percy. That wouldn't do you any good, you see. Sooner or later, even in five years' time, someone would open that case and I would still be there. You can't starve me to death or suffocate me, you know. Even after ten years, I would still be there. And once they open that case again, I would find I would find you. You couldn't. You're a dummy. A door. Yes. That's what we want people to think, isn't it? But you are a doll. I made you myself. I carved your face and I stuffed your legs and arms with newspaper. I know. It's impossible. What you are saying is impossible. <laughs> you are a doll. A dummy. I'm not a frightened of a dummy. <laughs> if you're not frightened, why are you shouting like that? I refuse to talk with you any longer. Shut up. The matter is closed. I've made up my mind. 
Some chance, the way being put there, it looked as if he was leaning on his elbows. Bertini was striding up and down the room like a man possessed. I couldn't know what I was going to say to him. I suppose in the back of my mind somewhere was the thought that I'd better start to calm him down. I stood just inside the doorway, my glance going from Bertini to the dummy. Bertini never noticed me. But to this day, I swear that that dummy looked me straight in the eye through that dressing room mirror and laughed. That's right. Go on. Laugh. Make the most of your laugh. Because of my friend, I tell you, this is the last time you laugh. <laughs> I made you myself. I know what you are. You are a nothing. So does strike. That's what you are. I made you myself. And because I made you. I've got the right to finish you. I'm going to finish you. You hear me? I'm going to finish you. <laughs> Until he took three strides and knocked the dummy sprawling from the chair. I watched horror-stricken as Bertie lifted his leg and with the heel of his right boot pounded again and again into that dummy's wooden face. You don't believe me, monster. <laughs> you didn't believe me. No, maybe you'll believe me when it's too late. I kill you. I kill you. I kill you. Bettini has made you. Bettini gave you life. And Bettini takes it away. Oh, come on, Bertie. Now, come on, old man. Look, you. I think you've done the right thing. It was only a dummy. Look, come along with me. Come on, you need a rest. They, they had to put him away, of course. As a matter of fact, he's still there. Yes, he's still in the sanatorium. I went to see him about five years back, but never again. I shall remember that to my dying day. I went inside that little private room, and he was propped up in bed. He lay there quite motionless, his eyes staring fixedly at the ceiling. And when I spoke to him, it took a second for him to answer. And then, only his bottom jaw moved... As he said, It was good of you to come and see me, senior manager. But don't worry about me. I'm fine. is that we have here 
behind the creaking door. <laughs> Move in world class. Get the taste of new smooth State Express 3.5s today. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. It's a blend that has been perfected after years of constant research by our master blenders. And the recent development of an entirely new process which gives you an even smoother 3.5 smoke. We promise you, it's the smoothest cigarette you can get. Move in world class. Get the taste of new smooth State Express 3.5s today. This is your host back again. Just a reminder of our rendezvous next week. Where are we going? Through the creaking door? Of course. <laughs> the manufacturers of State Express 3.5's Filter King cigarettes invite you to listen next Saturday at 9 o'clock when they will again present... say earlier in the episode that both stories tonight deal with um an obsessive love i guess you could say the latter dealt with an obsessive love-hate relationship if you will now our next story is called let the lilies consider and it comes from quiet please and it deals with a uh, husband and wife who I want to say encountered infidelity, but more in the emotional aspect of it. But you'll see what I'm talking about. And this story was first broadcasted on June 28th in 1948. So again, sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Let the Lilies Consider. Quiet, please. Quiet, please. Broadcasting System presents Quiet, Please, which is written and directed by Willis Cooper and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for tonight is called Let the Lilies Consider. Yes, I quite understand. 
Well, your stenographer is taking down everything I say. You and you are witnesses. When the stenographer transcribes his notes, I'm to sign them. And that is my confession. Is that right? And whatever I say may be used against me. Is, is that right? Oh, I'll sign them all right. Where do you want me to start? At the beginning, I suppose. All right. For your record, my name is James R. James. Roderick. 41, third-generation American college graduate. UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles. No occupation. No, not unemployed. No occupation. Well, I have a small but adequate income. You have my address. I was married in... Oh, uh, Gretchen. Gretchen McMonish. Yes, Gretchen is a diminutive of Margaret. Margaret McMonish. An orphan. Where's your wife now, James? Please don't try to trap me, Lieutenant. I've told you at least 20 times where she is. Tell me again. Right there. There. Look, James, we dug that place up twice now. Your wife isn't there. Where is she? I've told what you. What did you do with her? I didn't do anything with her, Lieutenant. I've told you that. All right. Go on. I met her at school in 1930. Did you bury her in the flower bed there? May I go on? Answer my question. Did you bury her? No, I did not. Then why do you keep saying she's there? Because you killed her. No. Well, she's dead. What killed her? I've told you she isn't dead. You can't prove it, James. I can prove it, Lieutenant, but you won't believe it. Why don't you prove it, then? Shall I go on with my statement? Did you plant that lily there to mark her grave, James? I didn't plant that lily. How come it grows there? How come it's so much bigger than the others? Answer me. There were other lilies there alongside it. Before you and your men dug them up? James, I think I know why that lily is bigger than the others. You do? Yes, and so do you. You're wrong, Lieutenant. You know why we left that lily standing, James, when we dug up the others? Yes. Because we know what's under it there. Because we figured the lily would remind you, would keep you thinking about your wife buried there. Because we hoped it might lead you to a confession. It won't, Lieutenant. You know... I have an idea that that lily there is going to hang you, James. No, it isn't. That lily loves me. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. What are you talking about? We consider the lilies, and some of us love them. Do you suppose the lilies consider us and sometimes return our love? I don't think you'll get by with an insanity plea, James. I don't know very much about flowers. I don't know anything about them from the standpoint of books. I'm not interested in stamens and pistils and the anatomy of flowers. Well, I'm interested in their souls, in their... Yes, in their souls. I believe flowers love and hate just as people do. Shall we get along with your statement? Yes. They love us and, and hate us in the proportions of the love or the hate we have for them. I said I've always loved flowers. My wife, Gretchen, she hated them. And they love me. Gretchen? You know, James, 
I declare I think flowers don't like me at all. I can't do a thing with them. <laughs> You'll learn. I'll show you how to handle them. I don't think I want to handle them. James, must we have so many flowers? Why? I like them, dear. But so many of them. Well, I haven't anything else to do but raise flowers. I know. That's, that's what bothers me. I don't like to see you wasting all your time puttering around flower beds every single hour. Goodness, I think it's just kind of wicked, James, when there's so many other things you could be doing. Aren't you happy? Of course I'm happy, but I could be happier if I didn't have to compete with a lot of silly flowers. Well, I don't think they're silly. Besides, there's so many lilies. Well, they're so beautiful. They're so depressing. I love them. That's what bothers me, James. Why? Well, I'm... I'm jealous of them, James. Gretchen. James, you do love me more than you love the flowers, don't you? Isn't that a pretty foolish question? James. What? Look. Look at the lilies. Why, what do you... Look at them. They're listening. They're waiting to hear what you say. And I looked. And I tell you, there was a silence in the garden there that, that you could almost hear. And the lilies around us were leaning forward, leaning toward us as we stood there. And there was an attitude of expectancy about them as their graceful stems bent toward us, trembling. They were listening. And suddenly Gretchen broke from my arms and ran sobbing into the house, trampling their beautiful, delicate bodies underfoot as she ran. No, I, I didn't follow her. I stood for a long time in the twilight, considering these lilies of the field. And they watched me, considering me in silence as I lifted up the murdered flowers from the marks of Gretchen's shoes in the soil and wept a moment for them. And I never did answer Gretchen's question. I could have answered it, but she never asked me again. Perhaps she thought she knew the answer. So that's why you killed her. Because you thought more of the flowers than you did of her. I didn't kill her. Go on. I did love Gretchen. I love her now more than I ever did. It sounds as if you did. We were very happy for a long time that winter. There are no flowers in the winter, and she had no cause to feel neglected. It was very pleasant here in the house. But the spring came, and the buds appeared on the trees. And one day, she brought up the subject again. James, what about the flowers this year? I'm going to start in the gardens tomorrow. I wish... Wish what, darling? Do we have to have the flowers again? We don't have to have them, but I want them. It's been so nice all winter without them. I've missed them. I'd hoped you'd maybe forgotten them, James. Forgotten them? My darling, I, I don't believe I could live without them. If they all died, what would you do? I don't know. Would you die? Well, what are you talking about, Gretchen? I'm being very foolish and very silly, James, but I don't want the flowers. I hate flowers. Now, dear. I hate them. You mustn't say that, Gretchen. They'll hate you. That's just what's the matter. You've let those flowers become an obsession with you. You've begun to feel that they're alive, that they have feelings. You're letting these things take you away from me, and I won't have it. Gretchen, you're being... I said I was being silly. I know I am. But it's the truth just the same. 
Oh, we could do so many things this summer. Go to so many places. But and... I don't want to go places, Gretchen. You did before you went so crazy over flowers. Over those horrible lilies. Darling, they're so beautiful. You used to say I was beautiful. Well, you are. But not as beautiful as the lilies. Am I? Why, dear, you're, you're like a lily yourself. Your skin is so white, your yellow hair, and that green dress. Don't you compare me with one of those things. Do you hear me? I'm not like a flower. I'll never be like a flower. Dear, please, don't. James, do you know what I think? Sometimes I think there's something wrong with your mind. Sometimes I think you're a little crazy. Do you realize that I'm your wife, do you? Or do you think you're married to those flowers? I won't have it. You've got to choose between those dreadful flowers and me. I wondered if my mind was all right. There's nothing wrong with loving flowers, is there? Almost everyone loves them. But for my wife to be jealous of them, I wondered for a moment whether it was my mind or, or hers. Yes, I did spend too much time in the gardens, I thought. And I resolved manfully to change my way, to devote only a few hours a day to cultivation and admiration of my precious lilies. I would compromise. I would try to follow my wife's wishes, try to remember her first, instead of the flowers. I reckoned without the flowers. I planted only half as many this year. And Gretchen watched sullenly from the house. They came up eagerly, and I could have sworn that there were twice as many as I had planted. Gretchen wouldn't speak to me for days at a time. In mornings when I awoke, I would sometimes find her staring out the window at the lushness of the garden. And in her eyes, I saw a look of awful hatred. It was her attitude, I suppose, that, that led me to spend more and more time in the garden. And the flowers rewarded me. They were more beautiful, more gracious, more abundant than I've ever seen them. And they returned the loving care I gave them. They poured out their love for me in waves of scent. And their leaves caressed my hands as I bent over them. And as I labored among them, they, they bent their perfect heads to brush against my cheek. And for long hours I could forget. Gretchen my wife, until a rustle among the lilies caused me to look up and see my wife standing in a window in the house, gazing out hatefully at us. And the lilies and I looked back at her with something of fear in our hearts. garden grew and flourished beyond my fondest hopes. Slowly, I came to the realization that my garden of lilies was increasing in size, that there were hundreds more than I'd set out in a spring, and I smiled on them happily, and the lilies smiled back at me. The lilies loved me, but there was a summer night and a full moon, and I sat on the porch alone and dreamed of did I dream of? There was a voice, a murmurous voice above the little breeze in the garden, and the voice was without words, 
And yet it was the voice of a loved one. Of a lover. And it spoke to me sadly. Caressing me. In sounds that did not need the form of words. And I sat there. Alone in the darkness and listened. And at last the words came. James! I love you. Oh! Why, why, Gretchen! James, I can't stand it any longer. Why, why, what's the matter, Gretchen? I told you a long time ago that you've got to choose between me and those flowers. Now, dear, I... I'm not going to live in this house like a prisoner any longer. Those flowers are driving me mad. I never see you from morning till night. You've forgotten all about me. I, I don't mean to see to you. Well, that's not true, Gretchen. I, I do love you. But you love those... those flowers more. Gretchen, I... Well? I love you. Uh, I love you. And what are you going to do about it? What shall I do? Do you want the flowers or do you want me? Uh, I... Choose, James. Gretchen. I can't. I can't. Gretchen turned away without another word and went into the house. I could not move. The chanting in my ears had become a hypnotic lullaby in my home. And my eyes closed. And I think I slept. And then suddenly I was awakened by Gretchen's shrill laughter somewhere and the flaring of a brilliant light. garden was a sheet of flame. Among the lilies, Gretchen danced with a great torch she'd fashioned of a broom soaked with kerosene. The noble tall lilies withered in its blast as she thrust it in their faces. And above the crackling of the flames above her hysterical laughter, I could hear the keening of strange lost voices, and I could make out words above the sound of the catastrophe that my wife had begun, and they were sad beyond belief. And I roused myself and ran to the garden, but I was too late. Like some avenging demon... My wife stood triumphant amidst the scorched and blistered dying flowers. And she laughed again. And now she thought she'd won. And there were no more flowers to be jealous of. And when the sun rose in the morning, I went sadly out of the house to contemplate the miserable remains of my loved ones. It was as if nothing had happened on that dreadful night. The lilies that I had last seen smoldering in the moonlight had raised their smiling heads again and there was no sign of fire above them. And listen to this, you who refuse to believe that flowers too live and reason and love. There were thousands more lilies now than there'd been the night before. They had burst the bounds of the garden and they extended halfway across the graveled walk that bordered the garden. And from the house came the despairing sobbing of the woman who had tried desperately to destroy the flowers of the lovely. I had feared for my wife's sanity. Now I feared for my own. It was hours before she could do more than weep. 
At last she spoke to me. James, I'm going to leave here. No, Gretchen. I've got to. I didn't believe, but... Uh, I won't let you go. You don't love me. Why should I stay? Save one. They'll never forgive me. They'll kill me. No. James, I want you to listen to me. I love you. I'll always love you. I... I love you, Gretchen. But you love the flowers more than you do me. I... No. No, I don't. You don't mean that. I... Mean But it's no use. They love you, James. They're going to have you. I tried to destroy them, and they can't be destroyed. If I don't get away from here... I can't let you go, Gretchen. I love you, James. Stay. What if I do stay? I'll die. They'll have you. No. They hate me. Gretchen. They love you. What can I do? I don't know, but... You can't fight them. You won't fight them. I know. I, I can't fight them. They love me. And I love you, James. It's too late now to choose. I won't let them have you. I love you. Look at the window. I looked at the window. Outside stood another lily. There had been none there before this morning. There it stood. And as I raised my head, I could see more and more of them all the way across the lawn, overflowing the garden walls. Thousands of them, each with its flower cup turned toward the house, each one listening. And I turned back to Gretchen, miserable and afraid. She'd risen from the bed and was standing before her dresser. Gretchen, I called, for I knew what was in the second drawer of the dresser. There's no other way, James. Put it down, Gretchen. We'll think of a way. There's no other way. I don't know how this has happened, but I believe now... I believe they love you, James, and they hate me. Gretchen, no. Put it down. No, James. This is the way out. It's the only way out. I won't let them have you. I won't give you up. And she raised the pistol until it pointed straight at my heart. And I said once more, no, Gretchen. It has to be this way, James. And then I'll go out and give myself up to them. Darling, I love you. I must have lain there. dusk again, and I struggled to rise. My side pained horribly. And it was a long time before I could reconstruct what had happened. And I lay there thinking and wondering what had happened to Gretchen. Was I to die here alone? Was she dead, too? Love you. Love and then I heard the voice love again. You. Love Gretchen. You will not die. Gretchen has not died. We love you. We want you to be happy. You love Gretchen. Gretchen lives. Gretchen loves you. And I drifted away again into the gathering darkness with a voice love still ringing. Love you. 
story, James. Yes. You didn't tell us before that you'd been shot. Here's the scar. Mm. Yeah. What became of your wife? That's a remarkably beautiful lily there, uh, the big one. Uh, the one you couldn't remove when you were digging. Well? Gretchen was gold and white like a lily. Gretchen's green dress was the color of leaves. What are you trying to tell me, James? Do you... Do you see something on the stem of that lily, Lieutenant? Where? Uh, uh, just below the flower. Let me see. It's a ring. Our wedding ring. How'd it get there? Gretchen. What? I... I told you she was here with us. Darling... Love you, love you, love you. No, I didn't get it signed, Chief. There wasn't anybody there to sign it. I'm telling you, I heard the voice myself. He kept saying, love you, love you, love you. That's right. We looked around to see where it was coming from, and when we turned around again, James was gone. I don't know. All I know is there were two lilies there now, close together, great big ones. And they, uh, they looked as if they had their arms around each other. was called Let the Lilies Consider. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper. James, the man who spoke to you, was Ernest Chappell. And Kathleen Cordell played Gretchen. The voice of the Lilies was Peggy Stanley, and James Bowles was the police lieutenant. As usual, music for Quiet Please is played by Albert Berman. Now, for a word about next week, here is our writer-director, Willis Cooper. Of course, you will never meet any of the characters in tonight's story. They didn't exist before I thought them up, and they're not imitations of anybody. Next week, Quiet Please story will be called Vahini Taiti. And so, until next week at this time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. Quiet Please comes to you from New York. And was transcribed earlier from Eastern Mutual for this presentation. Well, that's our show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd or Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And make sure you tune in next week for our next episode where we have uh, another original story along with an old time radio chiller. Again, this is Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, signing off.